Good afternoon, friends. Tis another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. I know you're surprised by that. Those of us who live here, we know that every day is grand and glorious. Because we don't let little things like snow, wind, and cold get us down. Otherwise, we wouldn't have any grand and glorious days, judging by the weather report. But we're not going to worry about that. We're going to spend a couple hours here on a beautiful Thursday afternoon on the Patrick Lally Show, engaged in our trademark energetic and entertaining conversation on news, politics, entertainment, arts, leisure, you know, the things that make life worth living. Uber producer Dan Peters is here to keep you updated on the latest news and weather. You heard Dan at the top of the hour, and he's busy, busily monitoring the news and weather, and he, he takes care of us and all that, and, and occasionally uh, uh, points me in the right direction, which is always appreciated. I don't know if I'm point, pointing you in the right direction. I point you in a direction. A different but, direction. Yes. <laughs> which is usually the right direction. Uh, thanks for spending some time with us today. Whether you're listening on your radio at Information 1000, we appreciate that. You can stream live at KSO.com anywhere in the world, also using the KSO mobile app. And I know I get notes from people from around the country, many of whom I know, some of whom I don't. And uh, they're out there listening in the internet world. Uh, and I want to mention that KSO mobile app. That is a new app that you're going to want to get on your phone or tablet because it makes it so easy to just one touch listening to KSOO anywhere, anytime, streamed live on your phone. And you can also get, uh, you can see Dan's stories. You can see the few things that I write up there and some of our other colleagues here at KSOO and Results Radio. And remember, we are always on Facebook Live or our Twitter account at P. Lally Show. Lots of different ways to keep up with the fine program. Thanks for being there. Um, you know, I want to mention a couple things as we get started here. Yesterday, we had the big uh, uh, Radio Clash patch giveaway on Twitter. And uh, I made kind of a mistake. I didn't, it, was not a mis- it was not a mistake. There's no, there's no harm, no foul here, but I didn't see all of the retweets, unfortunately, but I did pick a winner and it was still random. And that, of course, if you weren't listening at the end of the show was Zach DeBoer. Zach, uh, uh, is, is a frequent listener of the show. He's always, he's, uh, in, in the, uh, in the Facebook live often. He's a, he's a good guy. He's out there. So he's the big winner and I'm going to deliver Zach a, Radio Clash, Patrick Lally Show, State Seal of South Dakota, uh, a, a special satirical patch. And it is satirical because apparently that law is going to pass and uh, there'll be somebody that could go to jail. No, not jail. It'll be a fine or something. Make it a misdemeanor to uh, alter the state seal in any way other than for art or satire. Why you would alter it in any way other than art or satire, I will never know. But... It's gotten through the legislature, Sue Peterson's bill. So, you know, the governor's going to sign it, apparently. I, well, I don't know if the governor's going to sign it. You know, the governor, he may look at this and go, this, in fact, is a bill that does nothing. So, as you remember, in response to that uh, odd piece of legislation, and partic- particularly when it was of a questionable constitutional language, uh, you know, some friends out there in the Internet, Mr. Robert Melling from Sue Empire Podcast, he was making customized versions of the state seal. And I got one and I like it. It is it is an homage to my favorite band, The Clash, one of my favorite bands and sort of theme of this show, Radio Clash. And my home state, my much loved state of South Dakota. So it's a blended together statement that is reflective of this show. And Zach won those. Now, because I kind of messed up yesterday and didn't see all the retweets, I'm going to go ahead and throw out another one by the end of the show. If you want to go ahead and I'm I'm going to I'm going to retweet yesterday's tweet with the patch in it, okay, so that you can see it, and then retweet that bad boy for another winning patch. How about that, people? I know, pretty exciting. You just never know what you're going to get when you listen to the Patrick Lally show. Here you go. This is the one going up there right now. This is the, this, it says, this is the one. 
and it's got the picture of the patches and the stickers in there. And if you want, if you want a sticker of said logo, state seal, seal of Radio Clash in the state of South Dakota, just say that in there. I'll, I'll give you a sticker. I got stickers, okay? If you want these things, let me know. Go into Twitter feed at P. Lally Show, and I'll take care of you. Zach, I'm going to come down to uh, 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 your place of business down there on uh, on uh, 6th and, and Phillips Exposure Galleries, and I'm going to drop that off for you. So be waiting. May not be today, mind you, but Zach DeBore is yesterday's big winner. Maybe you could be the winner today. So get in there. I will include the retweets from yesterday, but if you feel moved to again retweet, please do. Anyhow, we have... A uh, great show for you today. Uh, Jason Folkerts, he is the Director of Exhibitions and Collections for the Kirby Science Discovery Center and the Visual Arts Center at the Washington Pavilion of Arts and Science, which I think requires two business cards. He will be in. Jason's an old friend, and we're going to talk about what's happening down at the pavilion and some of the uh, changes that are coming there, whether that's good or bad. We'll get into that. You know, we, we're not going to make a value judgment. We're just going to talk about it. Smart Cyclist will be in for Weird Friends, and we got kind of an extended version of Weird Friends today because, Michael, there's so much going on in recreation and cycling and just fun stuff in our city that we decided to talk about it all. So instead of trying to cram that into one, I've extended that to two segments. So Michael will be in for that. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the legislature in the second hour, just some odd updates that I want to bring you uh, on things that we've talked about, including the state seal. And... We, I'll have a PL statement after the break. Today's topic, um, I can't get away from the shootings. It's everywhere, and I, I've got something I want to say. Don't, don't worry. I'm not going to take your guns. I'm not going to – it's not that. Just hang with me, okay? That's going to come up after the break on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 318 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Oh, oh. Everybody wants to live, I they wanna live, and everybody wants to love, I they wanna love, everybody wants to be closer to free. Oh yeah, the Bodines on a somber day here on the PNL statement. But it still applies. We all just want to be a little closer to free, right? We all just kind of disagree on how we're going to get there sometimes. And this is one of those days where we disagree, probably. There's a lot of disagreement out there because, um, you know, we had another school shooting in a very, very tragic, horrific, unthinkable tragedy in which 17 people were murdered. And there's no way around that part of it. We know that. And I think that a lot of the reaction that we have every time is helplessness, hopelessness, and inability to wrap our brains around what that looks like inside, what it feels like, what it was like to go through it, and the abject horror and fear, the the debilitating sense of horror that that must be like. But what's, and you, you just know it's coming. You can feel it coming in your bones. You know what's going to happen afterwards. This deep, deep expression of vitriol at some measure and expression of what should be done and what can be done and what could be done. We know now that this 19-year-old was troubled to be sure. He was involved with the white nationalist group in Florida to some degree. He legally obtained an AR-15. He had been kicked out of school. He had been, you know, marginally stalking a young lady, you know, and some of these things are similar in terms of theme. 
you know, and this, there's this guy, there's an Associated Press story from uh, out of Florida where uh, they talked to a guy who was involved with this white nationalist group that this, this young man hung out with for a little bit. Um, guy's name is Jordan Jerob. He told the Associated Press that he did not know the young man personally and that he acted on his own behalf and that he is solely responsible for what he just did. Uh, but this group wants Florida to become its own white ethno state. Now, here's the thing. I don't think is the does this have anything to do with a white supremacist group? Probably not. It's just one more expression of this kid's, you know, mental state. And that's what I want to talk about is the, our inability to actually talk about what the issues are, okay? So Donald Trump said, uh, he told kids they're never alone. He said no child should have to go to school in fear of getting killed. He planned to travel to Florida to meet with victims' families and explore how to better secure schools and how to tackle the difficult issue of mental health. Didn't talk about guns, didn't talk about any of that, which you'd expect. You know, our our leaders have, have no grand ability to express any sort of communal experience I'm not going to go into the details of the shooting. You're getting that everywhere. And you've heard on this station and elsewhere a lot of pontification. I don't want to be a pontificator, but I do. I didn't want to really talk about the school shooting. I thought about it all morning. I don't, not really. Because what can you possibly offer as solutions? There are none. There are no answers. There are no hard policy questions. There are no ready-made formulas. We've been through all that. There's a lot of talking points floating around from various ingrained sources, self-professed defenders of the Second Amendment to fist-pounding advocates of more gun laws. It's the same tired post-shooting blather that has gotten us nowhere. I have no such pronouncements. I have no talking points sent from the NRA or any other political organization. But I, I try and speak from my heart and what I feel when I say this. Human beings do not want to kill other human beings. I don't believe that's ingrained. It's something that's learned or a reaction to whatever forces are at work in that person's life. How did this kid or the kid from Newton or the kids from Columbine end up taking up arms and slaughtering people in a school? The warning signs are always there of something amiss, either a general state of despair and anger or an actual diagnosed mental illness. Is mental illness always the common denominator? I don't know that for sure, but I have a sense that it often is. There's a difference, too, it seems, between school shootings by children or other mass murder by adults. I don't pretend to know what it is, but it's there and there's a difference. Here's what I do know, that we are afraid of mental illness. We run from it. We bury it and hide it. Stigma is much too antiseptic a word for the perception of mental illness. Not just in the United States, but in most places in the world. Some places it's worse. In this era of school violence, we have consistently cut back on in-school counseling services. We have cut the number of counselors, changed their duties, made them academic advisors. We have done nothing, absolutely nothing as a society to have a broader discussion on the forces at work that bring children to violence against themselves or others. We sit and bemoan the state of the teenager world of substance abuse, sexual promiscuity, suicidal depression, antisocial mania, psychotic episodes that erupt in violence and murder. Admit it. Just admit it for once. You don't want to talk about mental illness. And yet, it is just that, an illness. Like cancer, or heart disease, or diabetes. It is influenced by genetics and upbringing and circumstances and trauma. Yet we throw all the science and study out and opt for silence and shame. Maybe that's a natural reaction bred into our social structure by a millennia of a survival mentality. But it's not human. It's not humane. It is not the reaction of an enlightened people. As long as the political discourse in this country focuses on guns versus laws, of conservative versus liberal, or urban versus rural, we will get nowhere. 
I know the gun laws that work for Miami or New York are not the gun laws we need here. We all know that. To say this young man could have wrought the same horror with a machete as an AR-15, however, is equally absurd. The arguments and statements you hear today and going forward on this frequency and others mean nothing. They are self-serving, politically driven agendas so ingrained to the point where they no longer make sense, cannot be explained rationally, and get us nowhere. The issue is much bigger, more complex than any radio host or television talking heads can express. It's the human brain. It's a brain with an illness, and it needs to be treated and understood before we can ever hope to prevent another burst of death like the one we witnessed yesterday. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me. Send me an email, patrick at kso.com. Get on our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show and uh, chat with us there or on Facebook Live. All kinds of different ways to get involved in that conversation. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we'll talk with the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen, and Weird Friends. We've got a lot of good stuff to talk about. It's going to be fun. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 334 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we're welcoming back to the studio for his normal Thursday slot, my weird friend, the smart cyclist. Michael Christensen, the Tom Petty's don't come around here no more, which is not a reflection on your presence here or your or the welcoming attitude that we have for you, Mr. Smart Cyclist. Happy to be here. Good afternoon. Ah, uh, yeah. See, I, I'm having that kind of day. <laughs> Didn't push the right buttons, but that's all right. We recovered quickly. Yes, that's just thinking on our feet. And if I wouldn't have said anything, nobody would have ever known, right? Yes. Well, except for you. Come around here often enough to figure that out. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of Radio Follies. No, that's not true. This is this is fun for me. It's fun. Um, You know, uh, normally we bring you in for one segment. Sometimes a short visit. Short visit. But you had so many things that you want to talk about. Not just cycling related. You know, people. This is this is about recreation. And also some legislative stuff that affects us all. Yeah. So I said, let's do two. Let's like, go. Let's play two. It was Ernie Banks, right? Let's play two. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, smart cyclist. You uh, were involved uh, last week. Was it last week? It was. Winter bike to work day? Yeah. It had to have been Friday last week. Friday last week. Um, I already have done my Mia Copa on the air saying that I... Through circumstances, no fault of my own, street department, uh, was unable to get my driveway shoveled in time, snow gates don't work, and was unavoidably detained and was not able to ride. But you, sir, you good sir, braved the elements and did, in fact, ride to work. I did it all. I did the ride to work. I did the post-ride or post-work soiree downtown at Woodgrain. I tacked on an extra bonus trip to the burger joint, and then I rode all the way home. Some sort of 13 or 16-mile day. That trip home in the dark with snow falling, it was perfect. It was beautiful. Purdy. And uh, the morning was a little rugged, though. morning was it? tough. I was the first and perhaps only west sider on that bike trail stretch from Dunham Park to the Interstate uh, 29. And that was all fresh cutting, fresh snow. So that was that was a lot of work. But once I got on top of the dike where the wind blows, mm-hmm. that was clear and pretty decent sailing. So well, that's good. At least you got a good workout. That's what you got to tell yourself, right? Right. It was a little bit, yeah, much much more intense than my usual ride to work. Nobody said this was going to be easy, Michael. That's right. That's um, right. But your uh, this is interesting. Um, I always your dad has been a herald. Has been a bike commuter for how long? Well, forever. Since, yeah. since since as long as I can remember. In fact, in 1978, we moved here so that he could live three blocks from work and walk and ride and simplify his life. And so we did that. 
And that was That's the beginning. A, that is a large reason why we moved here in the first place. So You're kidding me. I didn't know that. Make his world small. Yeah. Where were you living before that? Omaha. Well, that wasn't that big a world. Well, that was that was industry going down to going, I don't know, downtown. Ah, uh, okay. Doing that. Yeah, that was. We tough. moved here, moved three blocks from University of Sioux Falls, and he taught and worked there forever. Awesome. And now he just rides around for fun, right? Actually, he still works there. I didn't know he was still work. I thought he retired. No. Oh, man. So so he's got a great story, though, from Winter Bike to Work Day. Because he rode on Friday. Because he rode on Winter Bike to Work Day, which to him is just Friday. Yeah. Because he rides every day. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he emailed me that night. He said that he was, this would be like West Avenue. He was riding along, struggling in that snow because mm-hmm. where, the, where the cars go by and rearrange it all. And it gets kind of difficult there. Yeah. And uh, a pickup truck passed him. And put a snowblade on the ground and cleared the road for him <laughs> from 28th Street to 22nd Street. That's pretty good stretch, too. Yes. I mean, one block would be fun. Six right. blocks is just a... It's like an escort. <laughs> That's awesome. See, there's good people there out there. There are good people out there. This is why it's the best little city in America. That's a pretty good story. Yeah. Um, you know, you were talking about the West Side, and this is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, as, a, as a West Sider, you know that getting across, getting through the confluence of the skunk, Big Sioux, all of that, we are a city of bridges after all. And when you, when you are on the bike trail or whatever, you know that sometimes it can be tough to get across the river. Yes. Good news. And we've been expecting this for a long time. The city is actually going to finish. They're going to open up the dam that they built, oh, low those many years ago to... Uh, cyclists and pedestrians and rollerbladers and everything else to cross the Big Sioux River at Minnehaha Country Club, between the country clubs. Yeah, I think I read from the mayor saying that when he was running, mm-hmm. the number of West Side bike riders who asked him to make it possible to cross that dam was huge. And here we are at the end of his term, and it's still a goal. It's still on the radar. He promises it for next season. It's They've let and, the bid, apparently. Yes, that, that is the key news, yes. That's a huge deal because they've had a sign up there for a while. Well, it said coming in 2017. Yeah, and somebody took a Sharpie to it and changed <laughs> it to 18. <laughs> Did they? That's pretty awesome uh, because it is 2018 and it didn't happen last year. Um, so, But it's, we're promised that it's going to happen this year. But why is that such a big deal? Well, this is the holy grail of Sioux Falls transportation, right? Mm-hmm. Getting a, I'm going to say road, Yeah, getting a route. <laughs> From east to west, across the Big Sioux, in that 22nd Street area, somewhere yep. between 41st Street and 12th Street. And while roads have proved impossible, mm-hmm. all of the pieces are in place for a bike trip to get across there, if we could cross that dam. Um, and yeah, part of the project is is to pave it so that it becomes an extension of the bike trail on the north side of Skunk Creek. Mm-hmm. Um, the key, the important, the neat thing there is if you want to go from Marion Road to the bike trail by the country clubs. Mm-hmm. If you want to do that today, it's a 2.2 mile trip with this route in place. Mm-hmm. It's a half mile trip. Yeah. It shaves a considerable amount. Uh, if you are a West side commuter or just a recreationalist, right? Just mm-hmm. wanting to get to the bike trail and go North. Right. It makes it way better. And the dam has always been, it was built several years ago now a flood control for that part of the Big Sioux. And it's awesome because it gives them more control, but it always was made to go across. They just put two big gates on it that wouldn't let you do it. So you were like, ah, look at Look over there through that gate. I can see the other (laughs) side. I just can't go. Yes. And there's some negotiations there with the landowner that all had to happen. Yeah, there's a lot of pieces that had to come together. Lots of stuff that had to work out. Corps of engineers. And anytime you get the Corps of engineers involved, you... It's like a federal case at that point. <laughs> it is, in fact, a, a federal, federal case. case. So that's exciting. That's um, going to happen this year. Yes, this season. And and let me let me tack on that. You remember we talked about the city planning open house where they had a half dozen projects that will make mm-hmm. the, uh, bike pedestrian projects to improve that. Mm-hmm. One of the main projects in that was the bike boulevard along 15th Street. Yeah. And so if you couple... This opening of the bike trail with that boulevard on 15th Street, you can go from 22nd Street and Ellis Road to downtown in in various various sorts of bicycle facilities. And you'll be able to get to the whole uh, Lake Lorraine structure 
mm-hmm. facility complex out there pretty soon, a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it makes uh, getting around and it opens up so many more recreational opportunities. It's really, for what it is, for it's not that much pavement. Right. It's not that much money. Right. It's like $400,000. Yeah. And it's going to really transform the West Side recreational opportunities. Right. It makes the bike trip into the core of the city a little bit more attractive than it was and potentially more attractive than driving. Yeah. That's outstanding because there is no east-west road through there. That's right. <laughs> See, bike bikes win. Yay, mm-hmm. bikes win. Once. Once. That's the last time that's going to happen. <laughs> um, anyway, we're going to come right back and talk more with the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen, because... There's uh, a a very interesting development in our legislature that affects all of you in terms of safety for everybody. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 347 on the Patrick Lally Show. I just thought you'd want to listen to Lumineers. That's what I thought. There you go. Lumineers are a great band. And I had a minor disaster here with the headphones that... I don't want to go into. Dangerously entangled. That I was just about hurt myself. Let's just get that out there. This has got to be an OSHA situation here in the studio. It's not. It's not that bad. Um, All is my, well. We're joined by, we resume our conversation with Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist. And we just talked about some cool stuff going on on the west side. Um, also, Michael, you were kind enough yesterday to retweet the uh, Patrick Lally Radio Clash, State of South Dakota, Combo Morphed Patch yes. thing, contest we had. And you didn't win. Zach DeBoer won. But you could win. Instead of winning the patch today, I'm going to give you these. I'm going to give you some stickers. How's that sound? I love it. So happy. Yeah. So I've got places for these. Because you're a, a frequent contributor to the show and uh, uh, really propping me up here, I'm going to give you three stickers. That That's, is excellent. I thank you very much. Yeah. And if you want to uh, get a chance to... If you want a sticker, just go on to Twitter, P. Lally Show, find the uh, uh, Clash Patch post, retweet that, say, I want a sticker. Or if you want a chance to win the patch, say, I want the patch. There you go. And then from now on, I'll stop competing for that. Yeah. No, that's okay. Keep retweeting. Keep I'm just okay. not going to pick you. Okay. How's that sound? You can only win once. You can only win once. Once a month. Um, yeah, I got a fair number of stickers, so if people want them. Excellent. And this is, I love it. And, and you can see the patch on, you can see what it looks like in the stickers on Twitter, P. Lally Show. Hey, um, now this, what we're going to talk about next affects, this is not just a cycling thing. It's not just, a, it's, it's an everybody thing. Um, we might actually get a uh, no texting law in this state. Is that hard to believe? As a primary offense. As a primary offense. That is hard to believe. But here's why it matters. Um, like statistically, 2016, 1,000 crashes, distracted driving as the main reason. 325 of those were injuries, and seven of those were fatalities. That's an amazing number, and I don't think I've heard that before. Okay. Where did you get that from the state of South Dakota, Department of... Uh, I got that from the medias related to this bill ah, and the reporting, so yeah. Got it. So go through those numbers again. 1,000 crashes, 2016, 1,000 yep. crashes. 325 injuries, seven fatalities. Now, that's distracted driving as the as a contribute main or prime. I think the primary yeah. contrib- contributor to the crash. And it could be anything that's distracting, but right. certainly the cell phone is, is a high-frequency offender. Yes, so don't text and drive people because if this passes, where, where are we in this thing? I, I haven't been able to keep up. So it, it had a, it's had a fun, kind of a fun ride through the House of Representatives. Um, it got out of the Judiciary Committee by 11 to 2 vote, which is, that's a pretty heavy, heavy four vote there. Um, but it failed, first attempt in the House of Representatives, it failed um, uh, 35 votes to 30, which was a failing vote. Nanny um, state. Oh, wait, did did I say that? And and somebody asked, somebody asked that that bill be reconsidered, which they did, and it got amended. And so the reconsideration um, was to reduce the class of penalty. So while it was a class two misdemeanor, which is like akin to running a stop sign or speeding, it goes, well, it stays at what it currently is, is a petty offense, $100 fine. But it wasn't a primary offense before. But it was not a primary offense before. So this is big because you can get pulled over for holding your phone up in front of your face. Right. If an officer sees you texting, what it currently is as a state law is that uh, if, if the 
officer pulls you over for some reason, lane diverging or speeding, and finds that you're texting, then it can get tacked on as an offense. Where this is, if you're holding the phone up, you can get stopped for that. Now, the city of Sioux Falls already has a texting law, right? Right, and it's primary in, in the city already. So this would essentially expand what the city does to the rest of the state. Right. That's, a, that's a everywhere thing. in the state. Yeah. Yep. yep. Now, and it did. It did, in fact, then pass the House of Representatives with that amendment. And so now we're waiting for the Senate to act. Yes, a Senate committee, and then the, the full Senate, assuming it passes Senate committee. So this common sense piece of legislation that I think should go right through will probably die an ugly death in some deep dark Senate committee. That is quite possible. <laughs> But, you know, you never know because there's people involved and that's why we play the games, right? Yeah, so call your legislator people. Now, this also includes some uh, exceptions. Yes, um, you, can, you can, first of all, the law is just text-based use of your phone, mm-hmm. which read into that what you want. I'm not going to say specifics on what that could mean because it sounds really horrible. You're not a lawyer. But, right. But potentially you could watch things. You could watch can, Netflix, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so you can text, you can do your text-based messaging while you're legally parked. You can use your phone to call public safety, you know, cause if you're mm-hmm. being chased or followed and need to call the police, um, you can initiate calls, which means you can poke at your phone to pull up the contacts and find your, which is still calling. bad, but that's fine. Yep. And, uh, you can, you can still use your phone if you're doing hands-free. And you know, I do that. I have a, the Bluetooth yeah. built into my car and I use it. But I do find it still some because you're thinking about what you're saying. <laughs> yes, I know. And and it's still not a good idea. Right. And I'm gonna quit doing that eventually. Eventually, I'm gonna give it. And you, the phone right now, with the latest update of my iPhone, you can have it, so you can't use it when it's moving. Right. Which is wild. I'm driving, and it sends the. If you get a text yeah. message, it sends back, "Hey, I'm driving." Hey, I'm driving. Leave Which is kind of a nice message. Hey. Yep. Hey, oh, that person's driving, and I'm and not blowing you off. I'm yeah. just going to wait till I get to where I'm sitting safely. Yep. Now, Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist, and I, we like this because we don't want to get run over. Right. Uh, while you're out riding your bike, and I think about it all the time. But this is really something that's good for everybody, don't we think? Yeah, because it, it should cut down on your injuries and your traffic fatalities. And, heck, it could cut down on, on your frustration while you're driving to work and you're sitting at a green light behind somebody who <laughs> is taking that extra three, five, seven, ten <laughs> seconds to finish their text before they go. So, yeah, you can and you can tell that. I mean, you, you can watch a line of cars go at a green light and you can see the one that takes a couple extra seconds. And, yeah. And you can know you can look in there and you can see what's going on and, you know. My friend Davey in Florida asks, uh, can someone get pulled over for contemplating their navel while driving? I think if, no. If, uh, if they're texting on their navel. <laughs> yes. If the... <laughs> no. But I'm not a lawyer. Know, pick up your head. You, you, can get, you can get a lot of trouble for doing that, though, uh, in other ways. Um, so we're, we'll watch that. That's, uh, we'll give the, do you have the number? HB1230. Yes. I hate using bill numbers, as you know, but there you go if you want to look it up. And we'll keep you up-to-dated on that. Up-to-dated? Up-to-date. Up we'll f- yeah, I'm following that. I'm going to pay attention to that Good. one. Um, there's one other thing, though, I want to talk about before I let you get out of here. you got about 15 seconds. Okay. Sioux Falls Parks, 80 and 18. It's cool, right? Sioux Falls Parks wants you to visit 80 parks in 2018. Falls Area Bicyclists, of which I'm the president and Patrick is a board member, wants to contribute to that effort by putting together rides to those parks each month that the Parks Department publishes the list. So and Saturday we're riding to, I don't know, half a dozen or eight parks or Find something. Falls Area Bicyclists on, on Facebook. We'll talk about that the next time you're on. How's that sound? That sounds great. Michael, thanks for being here. We're going to be right back on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 358 on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Hey everybody, this Saturday, free concert for veterans featuring John Michael Montgomery, 3 p.m. at the Washington Pavilion. It's complimentary for veterans and their families and honor their service to this country. Tickets are free and available through the VA hospital only, 605-333-6851 or 333-6806. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we'll talk a little bit about the legislature and then the Washington Pavilion with Jason Folkerts. Stay tuned.
407 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty. And we're going to try something here, a little fun, on the Patrick Lally Show, as we're trying to connect with Mr. Phil Shrek of KSFY Severe Weather Center. Hello, Phil, Patrick. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Phil. Can you hear me? And everything's cool. Hey! And there was much rejoicing. Exactly. <laughs> nice to meet you. Yeah. So, Phil, uh, uh, with KSFY, uh, everybody knows Phil Shrek. You've been a weatherman in this community for how long, Phil? Uh, well, uh, on September 14th, it'll be 30 years, believe it or not. 30 years. That's, that's impressive. That is impressive. So uh, we are going to have Phil on the show from time to time when we can work it into our schedules uh, and sort of get the latest from the KSFY Severe Weather Center down there in beautiful downtown Sioux Falls. Phil, uh, you know, we've had, a, we've had a nice little break here from February. Is this going to last? Tell me everything's going to be okay, Phil. Well, you know, it's not going to be okay, but it's not going to be horrible. Um, you know, we do have a little story that's working its way in right now. Uh, it's ranging from, let's say, Mitchell up to Brookings to around Marshall, Minnesota, and it's moving southeast. It's going to be an inch or less of snow, so it's not going to be a huge deal. And hopefully it'll hold off a little bit longer so it won't affect our evening commute too much. But it's going to be pretty close call, so it's moving in. Uh, it's in just about into northwestern Minnehaha County. Again, this is light snow, but it's also accompanied with some some wind. So there's going to be some blowing snow uh, and then definitely some cooler air coming in. So tomorrow, this thing's going to clear out pretty quick. In fact, after midnight, I think it's going to become clear. And then Friday is going to be a sunny day, but not as warm as we've been lately with a high right around 24. So again, not a huge deal, but enough to force you to slow down it may, mm-hmm. may affect our commute a little bit here this evening absolutely and here's my question though phil we're not going back to these sub-zero temperatures right we're th- those are days are behind us right right it's, i mean it's it's getting to the point now where you know the 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 earth is you know we're, we're, our the earth angle is kind of tilting back toward the sun now at least the northern hemisphere is so it's getting harder and harder for that really really cold air to to make it down here uh we are going to cool off you know, into next week after a pretty nice weekend, we're going to cool off next week, probably highs in the teens, lows a little bit below zero, but we're not going to have any of that nasty stuff or where highs don't even get above zero. That doesn't look like it's going to happen. That's good. Well, that that's good news for uh, those of us who like to ride our bikes to work, right? (laughs) (laughs) We still could get some sort of big, nasty late winter, early spring storm though, right? Remember that March is typically our snowiest month of the year on average. So we got to get through March first before, <laughs> you know, we, we really get a, a sense that these big storms are done with us for, mm-hmm. for the winter. But not a terrible weekend coming up. So you can, you can go outside and still enjoy yourself. And so things looking pretty good. All right on. Phil Shrek, he is chief meteorologist down there at uh, KSFY Severe Weather Center. And uh, we're going to talk to Phil whenever we can. Phil, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day for us me coming up next on the patrick lally show we're going to talk to jason folkerts he is big one of the big poobahs down there in terms of the science center and the arts center at the washington pavilion that's all coming up next on the patrick lally show information 1000 ksoo 416 on the patrick lally show information 1000 ksoo and i am thrilled and been trying for some time to get Mr. Jason Folkerts on this program, and he is a very, very busy man these days because he is now director of exhibitions and collections at the Kirby Science Center, Discovery Center, and the Visual Arts Center at the Washington Pavilion of Arts and Science. Jason, uh, thanks for coming. I like the way you say exhibitions Exhib- and collections. There, I almost messed it up. Exhibitions should- and collections. <laughs> That, I know I it's a mouthful, that? isn't it? Yeah. You don't even want to see my business card. Well, you're that's really, what I was going to say. You, yeah, I need a couple of them. To... Does it wrap around the back? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's give out sparingly. You just got to get no. an acronym. What, the, what do yeah, they what, actually that call be? you? I don't... KSD... Well, I can say, you know, if you say the KSD, KSDCVACCA, I don't even know. No, it's no. Not, well, let's not go down that They far. call you Jason. That works. What? How do you As refer you know. to yourself? Jason. Jason. <laughs> That's what you can call me, Patrick. So you yeah. were first hired um, last summer, right? Yeah, it would have been, I'm trying to think when it was now. 
It's been kind of a blur. It's gone so quickly. But uh, I was hired in the beginning of August. That would have been right. Yeah, beginning of August. Where does that put us now? Seven months in? Mm-hmm. Wow. How's that going for you? Good. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, for me, and you know my history a little bit, um, it certainly is. Let me put it this way. There's a lot of things that are very familiar to me that that are not daunting, that fit like a glove. And, of course, like with anything, how many people can say, well, what's it like to run a museum? I mean, it's not like – not a lot of folks probably it's – a, it's a small pool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the day-to-day operations, working with the staff, the, the idea of design concepts, um, strategizing, business side of it because I ran a business for a lot of years, that's very comfortable to me. And it's certainly customer-friendly, um, working with people kind of in that attraction-based business is, is, is not – that's not a leap. Um, I think just the learning curve of, of kind of the museum world when it comes to some of the etiquette of that and whatnot, that's always good to, you know, that's just what it is. Because so, when I met you uh, 15, 15 years ago, maybe, uh, you know, Goodness, probably been that 13, long? something like that. I suppose it has. Yeah. Um, you uh, were an illustrator or uh, are yeah. you? Are well, I've illustrator. always been an illustrator. You know, yeah. it's funny. People forget that, but they say, well, how long have you been an artist? Or, you know, I, I actually started getting a paid gig in art probably when I was in high school. Really? Yeah, I went to Lincoln High School. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I was started out just doing sketches and caricatures and things like that, cartooning. Um, and I think one of the first cartoons that I ever got paid to do was actually for the Argus back. I don't even know when that was. But I did a lot of freelance illustration for ad agencies back in the day before comu- computers, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So they would need to have line drawings done. And that was the old days of ads and newspaper business, as you know well know. Mm-hmm. And so you get these companies around town or whatnot that needed something really quick. And what happened was... I was kind of the guy they would call at about 4.45 p.m., knowing they had to run an ad and get it into the paper <laughs> by tomorrow morning. At eight. And they knew, they knew that, you know, I'd bang it out all night or a couple of uh, drawn ceiling fans or, you know, whatever it was. I, I need a smiling pipe guy. Exactly. I was kind of the – for a while there, I was the king of doing ceiling fans and, like, pipe – yeah, fixtures. I don't know, <laughs> like, piping things and – I could just draw them in my sleep, like the nuances of, you know, but th- people forget that. You know, we live in an age now where people forget in art and uh, illustration with the advent of computers, which has been a while now, but people forget the old days of just hand-drawn line illustrations and papers did it and magazines mm-hmm. and, then yeah. Then you wax it and lay it down. Yeah. Take a picture, make a negative, make a plate. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, the good days. You know what? No, it was yeah. a mess. It was a mess. Yeah. And I got the weirdest gigs. They'd give me these strange jobs because they knew that a lot of their, I think their, their paid, you know, on-staff illustrators didn't want to do these. So they have you know, like guys like me out there. They go, oh, that kid, you know, he's 19 or whatever. Give it to him. He'll stay up till 3 in the morning just, <laughs> you know, doing whatever. So yeah. Is that how you put uh, food on the table all those years? Yeah. You know, it's like funny. When I look back when I was in uh, college and stuff, I went to the University of Sioux Falls, Sioux Falls College back then. You know, I kind of paid the bills, and I ended up doing a lot of caricatures and got into that world, if you know what those are, cartooning-wise mm-hmm. and illustrations, worked for ad agencies, doing different odd, odd jobs like that, 50 bucks a pop kind of thing. Started doing a little more cartooning. Um, and I was just entrepreneurial, you know, I, I was, and it, it's funny how, you know, when you're hungry, you, you know, these days it's like, even back in the day when you had to pay for college a little bit more so than you needed some cash on the barrel every semester, you mm-hmm. know, it's amazing when you get to that point, what you do to, to make a buck in art. But, you know, I used to go out to the mall and sit down and I would draw people in food courts. I'd say, yeah, they'd see me drawing and yeah, I'd give us, well, you want that? Oh, that's great. I want, I'd say, well, how about five bucks? And they'd go, oh, okay. You know, and, <laughs> and so I, I was doing pretty good until the mall caught me one day and they said, are you? What do you, you know? Do you have a license to do that? And I'm like, oh, no, you know, whatever. But and you yeah. went, look, a duck. That's a Western ran mall. The other way. I did this at the Western Mall oh, too, God. back when we had the Western Mall. Yeah. You know. So uh, I'm. We met each other yeah. uh, when I was uh, starting the voices section at the Argus Leader. I was yeah. the editor of that. And um, how in the world did you ever find me? I don't even remember. Uh, I think you came in. I think you found me. I think we were did doing we? editorial cartoons, and there were a bunch of people doing editorial cartoons at that time. And that's right. You came in. You said. Hey, this is my stuff, and, and, and uh, you ended up doing a lot. And I think I probably asked you, "You going to pay me?" Did I ask yeah. for that? <laughs> probably, and I probably said, "Here's so, twenty. Here's twenty bucks." That's yeah. right, and I probably took it. Didn't yeah, I? you probably yeah, I did. I love doing it. You know, it's funny when I got into the political cartooning or the editorial cartooning, and that's interesting. A lot of people remember me for that in Sioux Falls, I guess. But the funny thing about it is, I always loved the craft of the art and whatnot, probably more than the politics of it. But I learned a lot. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you'd read the paper every day and mm-hmm. watch TV, and so kind of became a bit of a junkie. Just by albeit because of what you you know you're drawing or what you're interested. I heard a story once about who was it? it was an illustrator with Disney who really had no fascination. I think it was with Bambi or whatever mm-hmm. with nature. But you know you got to get paid. You got to put the money. You got to put food on the table back in the day. And then really became a nature artist, or whatever, because of he fell in love with drawing what 
you didn't really know much about. And right. So it's, you don't, you can't always choose your path. You cannot. It Even in the art you. world, I've met a lot, I meet a lot of artists and I think that sometimes the difference is a lot of artists who are kind of the purists say, I won't do anything but, and then you'll meet the other artists who go like, well, I do like, you know, to pay my bills. So it kind of goes both ways. And one of the, not to be too nostalgic, one of the mm. things that we did that was the most fun that I think people really liked was the write your own caption. Oh which yeah, I remember that. It wasn't terribly original, but it were, they were local things. So you would draw the cartoon with, yeah. with dialogue bubbles yeah. and people would send in what they yeah. wanted. And the thing is, people are funny. They, we, I remember that and I was shocked at how good they were. And I would look at them and go, well, I would have thought of that. That's far better than I would have ever thought of it. <laughs> you know? and, then, and then they got a, a framed original for doing That's that. That's right. And so there's a bunch of your framed it. originals out there with their caption. Did I ever tell you the story about Mike Rounds when he was governor? No. That, you know, I used to do some stuff with Dave Volk and Meyer Henry. We did some children's books together. Yep, yep. I took a trip out to, you'll get a kick out of this, took a trip out to, I don't, you want me to tell you this? Yeah, story? absolutely. Okay. Cause, and so we, Dave was on a, we were on a tour with one of the books I did. I drew for him and Dave and I became friends. Dave's a great character. I love Dave. You know, Dave Volk. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's a great guy. Fun stories. I mean, he'd tell me these hilarious stories in the day of back when, you know, the old West kind of South Dakota. But anyway, bottom line is we went out there and, and he goes, hey, we should go see if the governor's in. You know, and I'm like, what? You can do that? I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we walked out of the Capitol. We walked, well, he wasn't there. He was gone doing something. But, you know, his, it was an assistant there. And we left a bunch of cartoons. And the funny thing about it was is that well, he had said before we went, that's right, he said, bring along some cartoons. We might run into the governor. Mm -hmm. Gibson. Well, that's what the argument. So I brought some that, and they were kind of disparaging. I mean, quite honest with you, they weren't very nice. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, and I received a real nice letter from him saying how much he appreciated the cartoons and blah, blah, blah. And I thought to myself, how hilarious, you know, here's a guy who's kind of ripping him. But I think people like to see themselves as a cartoon character, mm -hmm. even if you're tearing it down a little bit and you're bringing it on. Maybe, and maybe I got a big kick out of that because I was like, the governor didn't mind that I was making fun of him. I, you know, I had one of like a doll of him or you pull the string and he's, I don't know what it was. It wasn't flattering, but he liked it, you know, and I thought, well. Maybe well. the staff adjusted it slightly to reflect more of a. Maybe uh, they did. Right? I was glad I didn't look. I was just, maybe it was a form letter. I don't know. That's right. He'd send one. But even you. like that, you know, you, you knock someone down, they still appreciate being, I guess, a cartoon character. Yeah, well, right? I drew you like oh, I'm a cartoon character that's part of being in politics you always respond right you always answer yeah. the mail and uh yeah see now he's and now he's got a friend and you just told a nice story about him and <laughs> you know good deeds come around uh but I I do remember some of those yeah. cartoons and they weren't the most flattering in the world particularly when we let other people put the yeah in. well that's the game yeah you know, there you go um Jason Folkerts he is uh, a, a longtime illustrator and cartoonist in which we've been talking about but he has now risen to the high ranks of the <laughs> I I'm gonna I gotta look and read it. The director oh, yeah. of exhibitions and collections at the Kirby Science Center, Discovery Center, and the Visual Arts Center at the Washington Pavilion of Arts and Science. Yeah, or Washpav, as we like to say. The Washpav. Yeah. The dude at the Washpav. We're gonna come right back and talk more with Great. Jason right after this news and weather report from Mr. Dan Peters. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information One Thousand K S O O. Four thirty-two on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and we return to our conversation with Jason Folkerts. He is the director of exhibitions and collections at the Kirby Art, dang it, Kirby Science and Discovery Center, and the Visual Arts Center at the Washington Pavilion of Arts and Science. Science. Um, we were just talking. I had forgotten, Jason, that you were a. Uh, you spent a lot of time traveling doing murals in schools I that's I, people would not probably don't even think you know there's probably some guy out there who paints <laughs> all these murals what was that like you know that was great um i don't know if at first i thought it was great it i i got into it because of my kids uh my at that time were very were young in elementary school and uh they attended it and if you remember the school not at longfellow yeah and jeff sheets was a principal and he knew i was an artist and probably through the you know the cartooning and stuff and I was a parent involved and kind of involved in, the, you know, the PTO or whatever. And he had said, hey, you know, could you draw us something on the stage, behind the stage at Longfellow? Uh, we have a Christmas concert coming up. We would love to have the backdrop. And I couldn't say no to the principal because then he figured if you say no to him, then he's going to treat your kids bad. <laughs> so I kind of, and it was a quick deal. Like he needed it quick and he called me. So I came in like in two days, not even that, a day and a half, and cranked out this mural, of Longfellow cartoon mural. Um, and what happened was I found a principal's no principals in this town. And so... That and other principles. And so what happened, just by word of mouth, I started getting more phone calls saying, hey, we saw this mural. Could you come and do this? So at the end of it, I was telling you, I think we're, when it was all said and done, I did murals for businesses too. And, 
in other places, but it's all said and done 150, 160 murals probably, and most many, most of them all in schools. Yeah. All across, and I have been in, and this is the coolest thing in the Midwest. I actually branched out, did some in California and some other places. Um, I have been in almost every small town you can imagine doing these murals. Kind of had a niche for elementary, middle schools, smaller town communities. Um, and loved it. I mean, yeah. I got to travel all over. So these explain what you're talking about here in terms of murals yeah. in schools. What, like, what were you actually creating? Yeah, I w- they would call me and they'd say, hey, you know, we're the Bulldogs or, you know, whatever. And which is like everybody or the Wildcats. And we must have 20 Wildcats. Yeah. Um, but they would call and I would sit down with them. And they oftentimes they'd have a logo already done. You know, they had a school logo. But yeah. sometimes it was made in 1978. You know, it's mm-hmm. pretty, you know. So I would kind of jazz it up, cartoon it up a little bit, make it fun, maybe make it a little more dimensional, make it come to life. Um, show it to him. And it was funny. I say, well, what do you want me to do? We wanted the gym. We had this empty big gym wall. Uh, and this was the, I thought it was so hilarious. I said, well, what do you want me to do in the gym? Well, we love it busting through the bricks. Cause that's yeah. what it, and I'd say, <laughs> okay. Can I tell you something? I, I, I have drawn if, okay, I may not be the best cartoonist or animal artist or what do you want to call it? I mean, fine. I am an expert at bricks being broken through walls. So if anybody out there <laughs> wants any bricks broken and I can paint it, I'm good at it. Cause almost everybody wanted that. So again, word of mouth. I did some advertising after a while um, just to branch out and go further into like Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa. Uh, but really a lot of it was South Dakota and, and word of mouth and getting to know the principals. And that was really cool. I can honestly say I've gotten to know a lot of people, a lot of small towns, a lot of principals across the state. We're talking with Jason Folkerts. He is, uh, runs the... I know. I'm done. I'm going to try this one more time. Science side. I'm just going to say <laughs> we're, gonna talk with, we're talking with Jason Folkerts who works at the Washington Pavilion. How's mm-hmm. that sound? Um how does that lead, though, to? Uh, and this is this is just sure. in all honesty. I was surprised. Were you when you got that job? Because you don't like me. No, I always liked <laughs> you. You were great. You worked for twenty bucks. Uh, <laughs> no <don't> anymore. <laughs> I, I just never saw you in that kind of role. I didn't either. And that what was what was surprising to me. Uh, I had a couple friends who approached me and told me there was a position available down there, and I should consider doing it. And they knew some stuff about the pavilion. And so did I. I mean, my kids were in DAPA. We had been members. Um, I've been there a lot. Uh, you know, but I, I – and so th- that came down, and I and I kind of fought against it. And then out of the whim of it all, I don't know why, I just threw my resume their way. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a response back and went in for the interview. Uh, met with, you know, of course, the CEO, Darren, and some other folks there. Former city councilor, yep. former assistant to the yep. mayor, Darren Smith. Yep. And, and a few other people and some board members and that committee and had a really good experience. And it was so funny. I remember going to, and I wasn't really nervous at all because I thought, wow, I'm not going to get this. I mean, it's funny when you walk into something and you just have, you're carefree about it. You know, I was very relaxed uh, and very honest. You know, they'd ask me, what do you think? And I'd say, well, you know, I just give my opinion. Wasn't guarded at all about it. And I got a second call back and, you know, we talked some more and then they gave me the, by the third time we met, they had given me the tour, you know, and at that point in a meal. So I thought, okay, now I'm going to start. <laughs> maybe I should, you know, maybe I need to sweat a little bit. Um, I'm going to wear a tie. Yeah. <laughs> so I got hired. And, wow. And I loved it. And I think a lot of it is, uh, I think a lot of it is um, chemistry. Darren and I hit it off very well. We, you know, and we got along very well and, and, and just enjoyed, not just on the philosophy where the pavilion could go, but I think just personally, we just got along well. You know, we just, you know, he's from, not, he's from, I'm from, my family stock is from Chancellor. He's not mm-hmm. far from that area. Um, we started talking about other things just growing up, you know, and our family. So it was, it was good. And, and the rest of the staff was a really good connection and, and I just really enjoyed it. So you, at some measure, how do you see the Visual Arts Center, first of all? Because that's what yeah. you started as, right? I mean, yeah, they hired they, me to be the director of the Visual Arts they Center. They tacked on this uh, science center <laughs> thing later. Well, and it wasn't a tack on. I mean, there was Erica, who had been there for many years as a director, and he got a great job out in Indiana at the Children's Museum in Indiana. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that place, if you want to Google a place and look at it, wow, that's the, the Disney World of science centers. I mean, I'm not, sorry, not science centers, children's museums. It's really something. Uh, so they had that opening and that's when they had talked to me and said, Hey, maybe, you know, it's time. Cause they had talked for a while about, and we had a, you know, there was collaboration going on, but really a mindset of coming together on the same page and really working together collaboratively. You know, it's a very unique building. What I found out is that Sioux Falls can, is great. We can take great pride in this. There really aren't a lot of places, even in the country that have four or five things mm-hmm. in a building like that, that we provide. It was an, uh, it was just a, 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 a circumstances that allowed that all to happen in that moment. That wouldn't normally happen no. that way. No, it was, and it was, and it, it, it was, it was not only that to have the building available in the right mix of the people to make the decision. If you look back at the history and what was going on that time, uh, twenty years ago, mm-hmm. this next year, believe it or not, wow, time goes very quickly. Uh, so, 
I ended up then being asked to step in and help bring collaboration, I think, on that mindset across the, the, uh, the Visual Arts Center and also with the Kirby Science and Discovery Center, along with my partner in all this is Roseanne Hofflin, who has also been involved in the, for 10 years with the pavilion, running like the, uh, the Community Learning Center, which has wonderful education. And, mm-hmm. and so what we've done is we've taken three or four of these silos, I'd say all four, and we just said, you know what, we're really going to work collectively as a team and, and not try to silo, but really come together to be one team even though we have an individual jobs we all have to do. And, and, you know, certainly the Science Center is not the Visual Arts Center, but we are working hard to make it collaborative with daily programming. Even if, a, you know, like a performance show comes in, like recently we had uh, The Wizard of Oz. So we took the entrance gallery of uh, the Visual Arts Center and made that into a real homage to Frank Baum and The Wizard of Oz. And if you look at that story, there's so much art behind that. Of course, mm-hmm. Frank was in Aberdeen as a newspaper man and, I mean, it was a perfect tie-in. So we said, look, we yeah. have the Wizard of Oz right here. We've got, you know, there's tornadoes over here on the Science Center. We've got, you know, we've got the art in the, in the, in the Visual Arts Center. So when people come out and they go to the show, okay, on a Friday night, they're going to go see the, I saw it was a great show. Come to the Wizard of Oz. It's not like just going to the show, but now they can kind of experience a whole roster of things to experience around the Wizard of Oz, including going to Leo's and get a special meal that mm-hmm. has a Wizard of Oz theme or whatever. So we're really working hard at that. And it's paying off. The numbers are up and people are excited and we're hearing great things. We're going to come right back and talk more with Jason Folker. It's about his, the changes that have happened to some degree at the pavilion in recent, in the last year or so, and what's going to happen in the future. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 444 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000. Dan played a little trick on me there. Ah, <laughs> uh, Dan, 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 Dan. He scared me. That was funny. Uh, this is the Patrick Lally Show. We're back with Jason Folkerts uh, from the Washington Pavilion. Uh, it started at the director of the Arts Center. Now he's got some duties with the Science Center. We're just going to abbreviate the whole title <laughs> there to make it radio-friendly. Um Let's talk a little bit about uh, the changes that you guys have made uh, in terms of, I don't know how to characterize this, not necessarily vision, but approach in some ways. Yeah. You're, you're, the, the, the shorthand is that you're making the art center more family friendly. How, uh, explain that to me. Well, here, here's what I explain is that, you know, in Sioux Falls, we, I always first by saying when I go and talk to folks, sometimes people forget this, but we have really eight wonderful galleries with a wide degree and diversity of opportunities to showcase art. You know, our largest gallery, of course, is the Everest. It's almost 5,000 square feet, which in this state is pretty amazing. It's pretty big anywhere you go as far as an art gallery. So that's something to be very proud of, the old library of the pavilion. But we have a number of galleries around that with different emphasis and themes. We've realized that we have to be diverse. And I also include in that when I say gallery, we we have to include the sculpture garden, the the Palladino home uh, sculpture garden, which is just getting fantastic. So uh, when I say family-friendly or anybody say that, I think that word went out there. What I would say to that is that, yeah, we want a diversity of people to come through the doors. And a big part of that is making sure that we connect with, with, with kids as well, educationally, because of the community learning center and what we do there and the history of art. And so we have to provide things within the, uh, the galleries, some of them, not all of them, to make that connection to families so they can really appreciate and understand and, and want to come in because of art. For example, I'll give you an example. Um, right now in the permanent gallery, we have some wonderful ra- abstract art that's on display, just some of the best stuff out there that we have from our permanent collection, which is really wonderful. But what we added is we've added a, um, how do I describe this? Come on down and see it. Um, I guess they call them little pom-poms, but different colors that there's like almost like a test tube next to the, where you have the reading, you know, the card of the description. And then kids and their families or anybody of any age, I don't care if you're 80 or 8, can walk around with those in your hands. You can get a, And you can drop whatever emotion you're feeling when you look at a painting okay now that may seem minor but then when you go in after a while you can start to see oh man look a lot of people have reds which is you know anger frustration mm-hmm. or blues calming or whatever and as you make your way around and you do this you can kind of see how art connects uh with emotions and feelings and how you can under- now here's where i would say it's friendly family friendly and that families can do it together they can bring their kids down have some education learn about art um have a, a greater uh, diversity of people there what I really want to say really clearly to everybody is, I think there was a misnomer on that, or I don't know how it gets out there. I think some people, you know, it's not that we're going to turn it into uh, how do romper I say? room. Yeah, yeah. Now we do have a great uh, Ravens Children's Studio mm-hmm. that Ravens has been so wonderful and, and it's sponsored. We are going to be doing some more purposeful 
um, reimagining of that space to make it more art-friendly. Uh, right now, it's kind of a catch-all if you've been in there and there's some, it's good. But we're trying to make it more focused on arts. When kids come in there, we're going to do some redesign, family-friendly, so that you come in and actually walk through a process of arts um, so that you can learn some of the principles, become more educationally based, and they can actually walk out with something in their hands going, wow, I just created something here at the pavilion. It was really cool learning that principle. And we're going to do it in I won't give it away. We're going to do it in such a way that's going to incorporate some, some artists to be involved too in, in the community and, and even on maybe a bigger scale to come in and teach it. So I think that's pretty cool. And that's family friendly, you know. Um, we get a lot of families that walk in. Many of them, I'll tell you this, Patrick, I know time is short, but you're all right. they lean into the Kirby Science Discovery Center and they go, ah, oh, this kind of naturally go that way, right? Mm-hmm. I had kids, we just naturally go that right. way. We're working overtime, uh, and I certainly am, to get them to go to both places right? That there's a value to both sides. There's a value to the educational side on the science and discovery center, and there's a high educational and value on the, the art side. And not that they haven't done things like that, but we're being more event-driven. Uh, we're, we're holding more things within the galleries than we ever have. We just did a Loving Vincent movie uh, mm-hmm. there uh, with uh, Cinema Falls. Yeah. Three, 350 people came to yeah. the artist talk and opening uh, of that at I mean, the VAC. Yep. Uh, the, uh, we, yeah. I think that the worry, when you say family-friendly for some folks, it's not that they don't like families. Yeah. It's that it becomes just another place that, you know, kids rule. And yeah. and I don't mean that in a bad way. No, 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 no. I know what you're saying. Some And the question then is, are is this going to infringe upon any notion of what you might think of as the mission of art in our community, mm-hmm. which is at some measure to challenge you mm-hmm. Not every piece of art is meant as a political statement or as sure. some sort of social commentary, but that at, at, at the core, you want art to challenge an assumption or teach you something sure. or touch not, you know, it, it, it can be pleasurable. It can be an experience uh, that not all people range yeah. that. Yeah. But what you don't want is to end up putting some constraints on your art center in terms of what you will show. And what you will bring yeah, in because yeah. it's family friendly. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's a long way around a short uh, question. And I would say to you, Patrick, you know, trust me, you know me. Uh, I go back to the, how many galleries we have and, and, and the artists that we're bringing in for this coming year. And you can see that we're not compromising what you're just expressing. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a diversity of artists right now that I'm really proud of that are going to be in there. We, we, I think we have one of the finest Arts Night showcase coming up with the very best artists that are now on display in the Everest that will be for Arts Night. Uh, I heard comments from people that are, we had record numbers that are free first Friday that uh, lately uh, this last uh, weekend or two weekends ago, just a phenomenal turnout weekend. And I heard from many artists and many people who've been involved in this, some of the finest work, both East River and West River, as far as like that, that ethic that you're talking about when it comes to art. Mm-hmm. Okay. That it touches that emotional place, that it has a statement to make or not. But it, it, the ethic of that is that it's, 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 well, first of all, it's just wonderful art from some of the best artists in our state. But secondly, uh, it is a, uh, uh, and not just from our state, from other places too, but we lot from our state, of course. Um, because, to, and I don't mean to and, interrupt yeah, you, yeah. but you want also, the other side of that is to have a venue where the artists of this area can yeah. express themselves without yeah. fear of, well, this isn't going to fit the family. Yeah, family yeah, yeah. Anymore. And that's a good thing to say. And I'm glad you said that. No, gosh, no. Um, and we, oh, by the way, we open it up. We, you know, like we have a curator, Sarah Odens and others. You know, we, we have a group, uh, um, an exhibition and collections committee. And stuff. So anybody who's an artist can certainly put forward their proposal to mm-hmm. be looked at. And, and we can do that with everybody, and, and we, we accept that. There's a process we have to go through, of course, for anybody who's accepted, local, uh, uh, statewide, or mm-hmm. national. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Um, I don't know what to say about that. I guess That's I can okay. just say is that come on down and see what's there. You know, the best thing I would say is, too, is some of the folks may just come on down. And you'll walk around and you'll really see that it's pretty, it's it, the diversity and the opportunity to grow and learn on a different level, in different ways is all there. There is an admission charge, admission charge now, what is it? Yeah. It was free when it started. Well. A long time ago, 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah, was it really? I think so. But I'd have to go but back. But what is the admission it. charge? I mean, I don't think people are well, totally against it. you know, that. right now we have different, it's hard for me to say that because if, here's the thing in our box office, I got to be careful on the admission because some of it's 14, some of it's seven, some of it's eight. Um, oh, 14, 18. So it depends a little bit on senior citizen, see, if you're yeah, a kid, yeah, if you're yeah. a cop, if you go to both and there places. Are free and nights. I say that. There are free Yeah, nights. and here's what I would say. There's a variety of ways to pay. But here's what I love about uh, we have these opportunities. You can come down and, and get an experience. Free First Fridays are great. Mm-hmm. I've learned that. I mean, man, I would come down, down every Friday night mm-hmm. downtown. And, and that's the first Friday of every month that yeah. downtown does. Yeah. yeah. And we always have, and this is what I love about this too, we always have 
uh, we try to, when we do, I don't know if you've ever not, uh, a guest artist opening a show, uh, speaking. Hmm. So Donald Montalo, do you know Donald? Hmm. Uh, he does ledger artwork. Uh, oh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. Very, I mean, I just ran him today. He was down uh, stopping by. He, he's going to be our March guest artist. Please come down for that. That's a little bit gratuitous plug. But on the free first Friday, Donald will be there, and mm-hmm. he'll be sharing. And our numbers are increasing there as for people coming and hearing that. And, and it's just great. And it's free, and everybody comes, all ages, and different levels of appreciation of art. But they get to meet the artist. They get to hear their vision. They get to hear a little bit about how, how they, the medium they use. And they just hang out and, and talk with them afterward. Yeah. In the very short time, we have yeah. about a minute left. Yeah. Tell me, tell the folks out there, what do you got coming up that's cool? Oh, we got a lot of cool stuff. Donald Montalo being one of them. That's uh, going to happen with these guys. But I'm really excited about this. Dill Lamphere is going to be coming uh, this summer. And the reason being is the Ark of Dreams. People can mm-hmm. Google it. But I'm really excited with Sculpture Walk. They're bringing that in. Dale is the artist laureate of South Dakota. Mm-hmm. The Dignity statue is getting huge press, not at just the, in our state. At but Chamberlain on yeah, the river. It's yeah, it's breathtaking. And people awesome. are recognizing that. He's amazing. So his show is coming up uh, in August, and that's a fantastic show. Kimball Bromley is here right now. He is a, doing a show in the Jurstad on Cuba. I think it's breathtaking. Come and see it. Mm-hmm. I really, really like it. Uh, the Agar Gallery, is, which is uh, Northern Plains or tribal art, mm-hmm. uh, um, a contemporary has got some great stuff and we're just changing that out right now and please come down we've got a, a, a some different physical pieces that i think people really love i don't want to call it sculpture i'll leave mm-hmm. you with that yeah so i mean there's some great stuff happening and there's more i mean uh oh uh uh, uh, uh oh you're catching me here now i'm not going to say it yet i can't okay i'm go close to, go to washpav well, not watch by, but WashingtonPavilion.org. WashingtonPavilion.org. And you can see the whole roster of eight Got or nine it. shows coming. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll have you back. All yeah, right? and go to the Science Center, too, because there's a lot of new exhibits yeah. there, too. All right. Okay. <laughs> Jason Folkert's uh, Science Center and the Arts uh, Center at the Washington Pavilion. Uh, go look. It's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. I You're appreciate your man, time. You're Patrick. Thanks for having me on. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 458 on the Patrick Riley Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And this just in from uh, Johnny V, our sister station 104.7. He says there's a crash on I-29 southbound near mile marker 80. Traffic is backed up to Russell Street exit. Take alternate routes if you can. Stay away from that. Coming up tomorrow on the show, we're going to have a bunch of stuff. (laughs) Come on back. It's the Patrick Riley Show, Information 1000 KSOO.